It's 9.30 in 716. A look back at all things Super Bowl. I'm so happy for our fans. I mean, it's just, it's been something that I live every single day. And, you know, when I bought the team, I just, all I wanted was to bring a championship to the most deserving fans in sports. The celebrations. It means a lot to me. Really proud of them this year. It was really awesome. This is Christmas right now. Of course, the commercials. Or a hilarious beer ad. <laughs> or whatever ad this is. Whatever. But it's a tie ad. What? It's a tie ad. What makes it a tie ad? There are no stains. Look at those clean clothes. What else would this be an ad for? But I think what was great about Tide is that it was really one cohesive story, one cohesive narrative that ran through all of their appearances, through all of their spots. And a look ahead at the next big event, the Olympics. So excited. It's probably my last Olympics, so I'm going to soak up every second that I have and really enjoy it. I'm Tim Wenger on the podcast powered by the Brothers of Mercy, a five-star rated skilled nursing residence offering affordable living in a country setting. Well, we all know the Eagles won and in dramatic fashion, and the celebrations were quick to unfold as captured here by KYW News Radio in Philly. I'm feeling amazing. I'm so excited. I've waited my whole life for this. Great win for the city of Philadelphia. Long time coming. This is our first Super Bowl. This is awesome. Eagles fans are certainly flying high. Their team coming home with the Vince Lombardi Trophy, emblematic of Super Bowl bragging rights. The Birds beat the Patriots 41-33 in a nail-biter finish. And in the locker room, the team was certainly buzzing. KYW's Ed Bankin spoke with the team's owner about this big moment. For the first time ever, the Eagles are Super Bowl champions. And owner Jeffrey Lurie said he's happy for the fans who have waited so long. I'm so happy for our fans. I mean, it's just, it's been something that I live every single day. And, you know, when I bought the team, I just, all I wanted was to bring a championship to the most deserving fans in sports. Laurie once again had high praise for his team's character and resiliency in the season in which the team lost several key players on its way to the championship. It's impressive what caring and trust and camaraderie and high energy and focus and discipline can do. The quest for a Super Bowl title, which Lurie called an obsession, has finally come to an end. Reporting Minneapolis, I'm Ed Benkin, KYW News Radio. Eagles fans once again took to the streets of Mayfair to celebrate this huge victory, and KYW's Andrew Kramer was right in the middle of it. Moments after the clock struck zero in Super Bowl 52, it was absolute pandemonium at Frankfurt and Cotman. Other words to describe the scene? Mayhem. I see, havoc. I see havoc. people for miles. Pure havoc. Mayhem. I mean, it's going to be like this for the next couple weeks. Let's go Eagles, baby. Those thousands of fans hugging and high-fiving each other all throughout the streets. Northeast Philly has come together as a group and is celebrating as one. How bad did this city need this? On a scale 1 to 10, 100. Police ended that celebration around 1 a.m., not before the fans got to spend hours, though, soaking in every moment of this momentous occasion. In Mayfair, Andrew Kramer, KYW News Radio.
Moments after the game ended, fans also spilled into Center City streets in utter jubilation. Unfortunately, as the night continued, some of the fandemonium turned to pandemonium. Here's KYW's Kristen Johansson with more. It means a lot to me. Really proud of them this year. It was really awesome. This is Christmas right now. Breon has been waiting 30 years for this. We finally got one. I just seen all the meltdowns. I just seen all the sad times, the happy times. This is the peak. This is the peak moment in Eagles history and my in my history as a fan. He's among thousands who meandered through city streets around Broad, singing, dancing, and cheering. I wanted to just get out to Broad Street and celebrate it with the rest of the city. Celebrations turned into chaos with some pulling down light poles around City Hall, flipping a car near Broad and Walnut, and spraying graffiti on walls and bus stops. In Center City, Kristen Johansson, KYW News Radio. As much interest is always in the commercials as in the game. And Susan Rose and Brian Mazarowski brought ad expert Jillian Gallagher from the Martin Group in studio to pick through those commercials. What's the call, Brandon? I'm afraid Brandon is a little tied up. But do let me know if there's anything I can help you with. Jessica? That's with Anthony Hopkins, the Alexa Loses Her Voice ad. What did you think of that? Absolutely. Loved the Alexa Loses Her Voice ad. Um, It was a really great instance of using celebrities throughout the ad. We had something for everybody. You had, of course, as we just heard, Anthony Hopkins, which that voice, no matter what he's saying, always has that little bit of menace to it. Um, Who else did we have? Cardi B, uh, Gordon Ramsay. So really something for everyone. Um, a really great ad, too. Sometimes funny ads, they don't necessarily tell you a lot about the product. Mm-hmm. But the Amazon Alexa ad was a great way of showing you how the product works, what happens when it's not working, how much do we love that this is how the product works. You know, so really fun, really funny. Something we were talking about on Friday was that... Unlike years in the past, it seemed like this year there just wasn't as much buzz, maybe, uh, about the Super Bowl ads. We didn't see as many beforehand as we maybe have in years past. Did you notice that at all heading into the game? Well, I think in general this year, I would say there was kind of a theme of safety. The ads kind of just went to a a safer place. There weren't as many creative risks it felt like taken. And I think that the, the buzz is kind of a little bit less around that as well as a result. Um, I think brands are a little bit leery of taking risks right now due to political environment and just how easily controversy seems to be stirred up. Um, And so there just was a little bit less of a buzz in general around the spots. Yeah, and not as many leaked ads and maybe before the game too. Did you think a lot of them just wanted to hold them until the game? Well, I mean, you definitely are seeing some um, some brands are holding up after, I think it was VW, the Force ad, which was around 2011, which was the little boy that his parents, Darth yep, Darth Vader, little boy, exactly. Um, it kind of became the status quo to release beforehand. But the thing is, you're paying five million bucks a spot. There's kind of a balance you have to figure out. Do you want to get some of that buzz beforehand? Or do you really want to save that kind of big reveal, your big five million dollar moment for during the game itself. Um, I think some brands are starting to play a little bit more with teasers. So, for instance, Tide, which was a big winner of the night, they didn't um, release any of the spots beforehand. They just had a little bit of of the teaser kind of alluding to how last year's spot went, but we really kept the reveal, the concept itself of everything could be a Tide ad that was saved for the game. Yeah, they were... 
all over the game tied. Uh, it, that's got to be a win when you can not only have your commercial, but then have you know you thinking about their product throughout all the other ones too. Exactly, because then you're not getting just your 30 second run during the game. You're getting you know your 30 second buy. You're getting those. They had those 15 second kind of um, later in the game spots in each quarter that came. But then perhaps more importantly, you have people like you said thinking about your product, wondering as they're watching each commercial come up. Oh, all right, is this an actual car commercial or is this a Tide ad? And absolutely, that's a win. Um, and I think that's something I can even imagine Tide in coming days, they can still keep playing with this. Do they do something on social media? Is it now that we're watching commercials, is it kind of fresh in all of our minds that wherever you see clean clothes, that could be a Tide ad? Any idea how much they spent last night, Tide? You know, I don't have an idea on the number since obviously they did over, you know, they weren't just buying standard spots. So I would have to dig into that a bit to they have kind to of be, understand what their sponsorship yeah, total investment looked like. It had to be but. one of the most uh, expensive buys of the night, right, for one one company. Absolutely. And I think what was nice about that, though, too, so it was an expensive buy, but they were by no means um, the only advertiser that was really kind of seeding spots throughout the game. You also saw uh, Toyota. You saw TurboTax. But I think what was great about Tide is that it was really one cohesive story, one cohesive narrative that ran through all of their appearances, through all of their spots, whereas something like Toyota it was a little bit more um, you know, one-off spots. Jeep ran several spots, but they didn't necessarily have a, uh, a tie that connected all of them. So I'm sure it was a big investment, but I think it was also a, a really smart investment, really smart work. You know, we have somebody chiming in. Too many ads for movies. You know, Aside from brands, this is a big opportunity for movies. It seems like we always see that year after year. Absolutely. It's a, it's a great night um, to kind of build that buzz with movie-wise trailers. Um, I think the one trailer that did do really well um, throughout the evening was the Han Solo uh, I'm sorry. I think it's just called. Solo. I'm not a Star Wars <laughs> gal, but I know it was a big deal that the I think Han it was Solo just Solo trailer released. Right. Yes. Um, so that solo spot, it's it's a huge movie, it's a huge franchise, it's a huge night. I think that seems like a natural fit. Um, it's kind of that an epic story um, that fits with that epic night. Something like um, Jurassic, Jurassic Park. It's Jurassic World, World, World now. There we go. That Jurassic World. Confusing Worlds. for me too. That it just feels a little bit more like a straight movie trailer. It's a little bit less exciting. You saw some product tie-ins, for instance, one of the Jeep ads did have that Jurassic Park throwback mm-hmm. with Jeff Goldblum. But in general, I think the the movie trailers that really do well are those ones that are very anticipated, like Solo, um, and that really kind of have a, a bigness that matches the bigness of the night. But otherwise, I understand a movie trailer isn't necessarily the most exciting. It's not going to be the funniest ad. It's not going to be necessarily the most well, interesting. Well, exciting for me, uh, the big surprise was that the new J.J. Abrams movie, the Cloverfield trailer, you know, you see that, you weren't maybe expecting it, and then at the end they say... Dropping it's on a- Netflix. <laughs> available on Netflix right after the game. Uh, not a lot of people expecting that, so that's a great way to get some buzz, too. Right, I think that was a win for Netflix. We saw um, you know now, sort of prestige television um, or or offerings that are only available on those streaming services beginning to advertising more. So we did see uh, the Cloverfield one on Netflix. We saw um, Amazon Prime advertising for the um, the new Jack Ryan series. We saw um, Castle Rock coming on Hulu. So yeah, they're definitely. It's interesting because NBC would never air a um, competitors a competitors. Yeah. 
a competitor's commercial, whether it's CBS or mm-hmm. ABC, but it's interesting, these these players that are really taking a big chunk of the entertainment market. All right, on to the next behemoth sporting event. It's a biggie, the Olympics. The 2018 Winter Olympics, beginning this week in Pyeongchang, South Korea. The opening ceremony kicking off Friday. Alex Stone will be in Pyeongchang covering the Olympics and has a preview of this year's games. When Team USA walks into the Olympic Stadium in Pyeongchang, it will be the largest ever team at a Winter Olympics. 242 members, including three five-time Olympians who have been competing for over 20 years each in snowboarding, cross-country, and speed skating. 107 women and 135 men. Among the women, 17-year-old Mame Baini, a short track skater who is full of smiles and ready to compete. I'm just going to go out to the Olympics and just do what I can. <laughs> Baini is the first African-American woman to qualify for an American Olympic speed skating team. She won the 500-meter races at December's Olympic trials. Baini says she's been getting advice from other athletes about handling the pressure. They just told me that it's totally normal to feel like this and to feel the pressure of the Olympics. And all you have to do is just skate your best and just go out there and do what you do. She was born in 2000 in Ghana. She says it's a huge honor to be representing the USA in 2018. I get to inspire um, young African-American athletes or any other race and maybe even uh, like males too to just try this sport or try any other sport that they don't that they think that they can. And then there's Nathan Chen, a figure skating phenom. Eight years ago at the age of 10, he predicted he would be competing in the 2018 game. And when I was 10 years old, I knew exactly that's where my goal was at, that's where my dream was at. It's crazy to think that, you know, eight years later, here I am. You know, I've made that uh, dream happen and you know, ultimately just so excited that this is happening and pretty confident going to the game, knowing that I can do what I, what I need to do. Chen has been on fire leading up to Pyeongchang. In cross country, there are three sets of siblings competing. In always popular curling, you know those rocks and brooms, for the first time men and women will compete together. That will include the brother and sister team of Matt and Becca Hamilton. In snowboarding, Sean White is back. In competition this year, he scored a perfect 100. On skis, Lindsey Vaughn makes her return. So excited. It's probably my last Olympics, so I'm going to soak up every second that I have and really enjoy it. Vaughn's name was everywhere when she won gold in Vancouver, but she missed out on the Olympics four years ago in Russia because of a knee injury. This year, she's hoping to come back and show she's still got it. Definitely been waiting a very long time. Eight years has been pretty brutal to wait for another Olympics. Back on the ice, hockey will be a whole new beast on the men's side without the NHL sending its players. The women haven't won gold since 1998 in Nagano, Japan. They hope to do it again 20 years later. And it will all be very personal for Olympic freestyle skater Gus Kenworthy. Known for his twists, flips, and backward flops, he medaled four years ago and then came out as gay. Kenworthy will be the second openly gay athlete for the U.S. team. Will we see the triple from Kenworthy? I feel like I'm representing the LGBT community and I want to do well for them. After his success at the Olympics in 2014, he says he decided it was time to stop lying. I wanted to kind of come out and hopefully be a beacon of light for any kids that were the same as me when I was a kid. As a result of coming out, his fan base and sponsorships have grown. In the mountains of South Korea, it'll all be on the line. A mix of competition and politics all happening less than 100 miles away from North Korea. I'm Alex Stone, ABC News. That's 930 in 716.
We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo.